Hello, I'm Ryan Alexander, and you're listening to Season 2 of Colorado State University History Department's podcast, The Land Grant Chronicles. Written and recorded by the students in the History of Outdoor Recreation class, this season explores the crisis of outdoor recreation in the United States. This episode tells the story of rock climbing on Devil's Tower. In the early 1890s, American farmers were hit especially hard by a crippling economic depression. Conflicts over whether the dollar should be backed by gold or silver caused foreign lenders to call back their loans. Crop prices fell and credit became unavailable. Ranchers and business partners Willard Ripley and William Rogers hatched a plan to draw a crowd and bring in money for their struggling business. In 1893, they built a wooden ladder on Devil's Tower, a massive granite sentinel that rises 1,200 feet straight up where the high plains brush up against the Black Hills in the remote northeast corner of Wyoming. They made history, drawing crowds from miles around to watch them reach the summit. In the century that followed, millions of visitors flocked from around the world and thousands of climbers came to test their skills against the countless cracks that run the length of the tower. Devil's Tower became the first national monument in 1906. Climbing there grew steadily in popularity, reaching its zenith as rock climbing took on its modern commercialized form in the 80s and 90s. As a climber, I see exactly why Ripley and Rogers and everyone who came after them were drawn to the tower. It offers varied climbing on perfect stone. The isolation and prominence above the surrounding high plains guarantees uninterrupted views of the desolate and underappreciated beauty of that part of the country. But the crisis that runs through everything at Devil's Tower is, in many ways, the same underlying crisis of land policy that has persisted since this country's founding. We see these contradictions in the dual mandate of the National Park Service and the stories we tell about America and the natural world. The Park Service has a mandate to, quote, preserve unimpaired the natural and cultural resources and values for the enjoyment, education, and inspiration of this and future generations. The tension at the heart of federal land policy stems from tensions between different users of the land and the imposition of American culture, law, and military might on its original inhabitants. The Lakota, Cheyenne, Arapaho, Shoshone, Kiowa, and other Plains tribes inhabited what is now Devil's Tower and the surrounding area for millennia before European colonization. A few decades before the Ripley and Rogers ascent, the federal government and the Lakota signed the 1851 Treaty of Fort Laramie. The treaty guaranteed Lakota sovereignty over Mato Tepila, or Bears Lodge, the area now known as Devil's Tower National Monument. In addition, much of present-day Wyoming, Nebraska, and South Dakota, including the highly sacred Black Hills, were promised to the Lakota. For over 20 indigenous tribes, Mato Tepila is a sacred place where the connection and interdependence between the earth and all other living things is recognized and reaffirmed. Successive treaties coercively dispossessed most Lakota ancestral lands. Imagine it's Christmas Eve and the Pope is leading midnight mass at St. Peter's Basilica. As communion begins, screaming and shouts of profanity echo as you look up to see two shirtless young men scaling the dome. Suddenly, a chunk of stone is flung from the ceiling, shattering and sending shrapnel across the parishioners. Perhaps empty beer cans and human feces are strewn about the hallowed ground. Chief Arvel Lookinghorse, 19th generation keeper of the sacred white buffalo calf pipe bundle for the Great Sioux Nation, describes the presence of climbers during prayers at Devil's Tower as a disturbance to their quest for connection and understanding. When climbers hammer objects into the butte, Lookinghorse says, it is like they are pounding stakes into our bodies. 
The Park Service implemented a climbing management plan in 1995, developed by officials, climbers, and tribal leaders. The goal was to reduce the number of climbers in June, an especially sacred time for several tribes. Those involved in the plan's creation hoped that through education and awareness campaigns, climbers would choose to follow a voluntary June climbing ban. While initially successful in decreasing the number of climbers, groups have disregarded the ban in increasing numbers in recent years. Groups like the Mountain States Legal Foundation, a law firm advocating for private property rights, individual liberty, and economic freedom, have sued on grounds that the ban violates the First Amendment. The climbing community wanted to prove that they could self-regulate in place of a mandatory ban. The American West has no shortage of spectacular places to climb, and many places are on par with Devil's Tower. Many climbers, including advocacy group the Access Fund, support the ban, and some argue that it should be mandatory. Around 300 people climb the tower each June, down from over 1,200 before the ban. Given the sparse population of Northeast Wyoming, most of these climbers are making a concerted decision to go out of their way. This is no day trip or afternoon cragging for the vast majority of climbers. But this isn't just a problem of personal choice or education. Land management departments from the local to federal levels mandate climbing bans to preserve bird and bat habitat throughout the country, oftentimes barring climbers for half the year. Climbers in the Park Service have a responsibility to respect the humanity and ways of life of those who have held this land sacred since time immemorial. It's time to make the ban mandatory. <laughs>